Hello. Hello. Here we are again. Getting ready to talk about some movies. <laughs> oh, that's what we're all here for. About some film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody lubricate the throat. Drink, drink, drink. Ugh. Chuggity chug chug. Yeah. But um, hi, so we're those meddling kids. We're a horror movie comedy podcast, and I'm Bree. And I'm Pat. Okay, so um we're gonna talk about Scream, but first let's what's what's going on with you, Pat? What's your what's your week been like? Just a lot of a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of Dune. A lot oh, of Dune. oh. But really. <laughs> Four times already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've watched it through. Uh, loved every minute of it. It's not a perfect adaptation, but there's no way you could ever pull off a perfect adaptation of that book. It's the most dense 600 pages of like <laughs> complete, utter <coughs> insanity. Right. Like it's nearly a religious experience to read that fucking book. So to like try. I mean, it's happen, supposed you know, to be. It, it is. It, feel, it really does feel like one. <laughs> so I don't know. How, how was your week? Were you, were you also high on the spice melange? I, I, only, I, I got to watch it last night and um, with our friend Crimson and my friend Riley. And Riley has never read the book. He never saw any of the other adaptations. Crimson has watched the other adaptations um, particularly the uh, the one with Sting, in his the Lynch one. Yes. yes, yes, particularly the Lynch one, which she really likes. And um, so it it was fun for us, and we both had our cameras on. And she was like, "So Riley, are you okay? Like, I feel like you're understanding the movie just by watching." us react to characters when they come on screen <laughs> because <laughs> neither one of us, despite the fact that we mask things very well in like real life, when we're watching movies, we don't like, we just react. Obviously you, you all have heard me when we watch movies. So, like I'm sitting there trying to be quiet, like silently mouthing the litany against fear with a oh cup, my. like cradled in my arms, like some weirdo. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was just so excited to see the Benny Gendry. <coughs> oh my god, my eye, my eye how about, to how see about them that, on like... screen. So also, um Duke. The Duke. So well played. So well played. He did an amazing job. He really did. Really heartbreaking. Yes. Really, really great. And there's, uh, I said it before, there's like a, a painting called The Death of Marat where it's like a dude like sort of dying in a bed. And I feel like the the Duke's pose um, maybe is meant to emulate that in a little bit. Like, I don't know, everything about it was really interesting. And the fact that they had him like nude there too. Right. You know, really just piling it on the fact that the, the Baron's cruelty towards... His cousin, ultimately. There was uh, no bounds. 
you know, not only his cousin, but also his son-in-law, technically. If you've read further into the Dune mythos, you know that the Baron actually fathered uh, the Lady Jessica with Helene Gaius Mahayim herself. Uh, That's right. And, you know, they do it the old-fashioned way. Yeah. She went in and boofed the bear. Yeah. Well, you know, he was a willing participant. He had a great time. Yeah. But, you know. I meant more so for her. No, nah, she seemed to be into it. Yeah. <laughs> if, you read, if you read the comics. The comics, <laughs> the comics are like, oh, she's like, you know, we have to, we have to do this. He's like, can't you just get a sample? He's just like, no, we have to do this. We have to do this. All of it. All of it. All the stuff. Yep. But now, you know, that was, it was a really great movie. Really awesome. The guy who played Jamis, too. I fucking loved him. His voice was oh so gosh, yeah. interesting and gravelly and weird. Yeah. It's so good. Cool maybe British doing an American accent and then doing like the weirdest American accent he could do, but it rocked. I will teach you about the desert. <laughs> and then so just, good. I won't have this. Oh my gosh. And Zendaya, we, we only had her for a short amount of time. But already. Just glimpses of her. Yeah. Stealing show. So excited. Well, it was cool that, you know, if, the Lynch version, you have Irulan doing the introduction. And if you read the book, you know, Irulan's the one who wrote the book on Paul or Muad'Dib or the Mahdi or Lisan al-Giyayib, however you want to put his name. Mm-hmm. But this version, obviously, you have Chani coming out and doing the introduction and setting the context for the movie instead, which I thought was really fucking cool. Centering mm-hmm. around Fremen instead of around, like, you know, the rich daughter of the emperor. Yeah. Who sucks ass and tries to like get Paul killed anyway? So I mean, you know, spoilers, but yeah, we no. we stand Chani in this house. Yeah, Chani rocks. Yeah, Chani and Zendaya is such too. a good fit for her. She is. She really like. She does it so interestingly. You no, know, you get. You really feel a sense, like. I don't want to say cares about Paul, but is something about him and has an empathy toward him that she's him. And, and also just that like she's a, a good person who's like, wow, this is a kid my age who has no idea what he's doing. But you know, like I'm sure that she's heard the stories about the fact that like Paul has done nothing bad thus far. You know, he's gone out of his way to save people from the worm and was one of the cooler heads in that council meeting, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, like she, she's got a bigger sense for it all, but still doesn't trust him, which is, which is good. No, she doesn't know anything about him in terms of being a warrior or anything like And None of these people do, obviously. I don't know that Jameis would have challenged him. Maybe if he'd known how, well-trained and prepared that Paul was for the fight. And Paul like literally clearly could have killed him many, many times in the fight. Didn't want to. Yeah. Asked him to yield. And 
that drove Jamison to like a weird frenzy, which I love too. I love the fact that he got so mad at the indignity yeah. of having somebody ask him to yield. Yeah. Which is just that's not how that. it works. Also, let's let's just for a minute talk about Stilgar. Oh, heck wonderful, yeah. wonderful portrayal. Uh, just so calm <laughs> and like weirdly calm. Yeah. Like Jamis, Jamis, no, no, be still, be still. Yeah. So good. It's so good. Go watch it. It is an amazing two and a half plus hour movie that does not feel that long. <laughs> it does not. It did it, it, like. I guess I've watched it four times. Like it's nearly 12 hours of my life that I've put into this movie already. I'll probably watch it again before the weekend is up. Oh yeah. It's fucking great. And the more you watch it, the more the views go up on HBO max, the better chance we'll find out Monday or Tuesday, whether or not part two is coming. I'm pretty sure part two is coming. I mean, the fact that Villeneuve was comfortable enough putting part one below the word Dune in the title sequence, I think lets us know that, a, they've already greenlit it and they just haven't said anything, or B, they're pretty high confidence levels of, hey, we're going to yeah. let part two happen. Which hopefully will be soon. But also, I um, I hope that they'll continue to be safe and smart during these COVID times and not be pushing too far and too fast. Because, you know. No, yeah, this was... This was filmed before that too. Before yeah. the, this was actually going to come out last Christmas time. Yes. Which, damn. Yeah. That also means there's supposedly a, lo- a much longer cut of this out too. Hopefully, will come out on Blu-ray by Christmas time or thereabouts. Ooh, yeah. I think the theater window is 45 days now because of COVID, which means that going to VOD and digital release. And physical release happens within about 40 or 50 days. Yeah. Green Knight give came me, out on digital pretty fast. Give me that proverbial Snyder cut. I'm ready. Yeah. Give me a four-hour Villeneuve cut, please. <laughs> Denny, if, you can, if you're listening to this for whatever reason, if Del- Denny Villeneuve is listening to this podcast, please release the four-hour cut of Dune. Give me all the shit. Give me the 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 fucking scene where Duncan gets drunk on spice beer. Give me give me this the the fucking awkward conversation at the the fancy dinner where they recognize that one of the people is a Harkonnen spy and Paul calls him a piece of shit to his face. Basically, yeah. Give me all that shit. But fancy because Paul's fancy. And yeah, he does it in a polite, fancy way. Yeah. Give me, yeah, a, no, give me, more, give me but, more kinds too. Fucking a. Yeah. Sure. Go watch I mean, Dune. Yeah, watch Dune, please. That's my that's my big takeaway for this week. I don't think there really is any other takeaways. No. <laughs> but tonight we're here to talk about something aside from Dune, despite talking about Dune for a lot of time. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> our intro. This one. The Dune intro. Yeah. We warned you all. We warned you it was going to happen. You've had months to understand that this was going to happen. So it's fine. We and, should be ready. Uh, you know, maybe there's <laughs> got to be a Dune chat. I don't know. Maybe that's a, an extra special episode. I think that would be great. We get a quorum of nerds together and talk about Dune. 
Yes. And, you know, sniff some cinnamon first. Get the spice spice in your lungs. And then go nuts. But tonight we're talking about another wonderful and brilliant cinematic universe, I guess you could say. Television universe, too, though. I haven't seen any of the television adaptations. Watched season one and two. Was it good? Yeah. Let's get into it. Uh, We're talking about Scream. Scream is, to start this off, my favorite horror movie franchise. I feel comfortable saying that. Say it with my whole chest, as the youth say. Um, Yeah. Love it. As a as a youngster, I believe I was ten or so when that movie came out, and I had it on VHS as a ten year old. Probably shouldn't have, but my parents got it for me. <laughs> uh, one of those VHS tapes that I definitely wore out. I watched that movie a fuck ton of times, um, and it was I great. This movie all the time. It's one of my comfort horror movies. It's fucking great. The whole is. current quadrilogy, quadrology, quaternary whatever you want to call it, those the current four movies in the Scream Cinematic Universe, uh, you know what? There were maybe some slight diminishing returns after one, because, I mean, obviously the OG, you can't really... Yeah. Can't beat it. But fucking A. Like, it turned that set of that genre on its head for a while and caused a great and amazing resurgence. Of slash of, movies. Yeah. 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 Like, it was great. And not only that, but for people like us who are movie nerds, horror fans, you know, a a mix of those things, these movies are great because it looks at the horror genre with a real critical eye. And it's just like, "Mm," but also, wow, you know, Um, and I can't even imagine Wes Craven, like, directing lines about like you know things that were tropes within horror movies and particularly slasher movies you know that they're making fun of but that are real and the fact that craven was willing to be that introspective too and yeah you know i mean he wasn't the writer originally uh he did contribute a lot of writing especially to scream mm-hmm. too um but you know the writer was the writer of dawson's creek yeah. Fucking Kevin Williamson, like who, you know, went went on to, you know, I guess not went on to, had, you know, turned the teenage TV soap opera on its head and Creek came in and fucked also with watched it all of that. <laughs> I haven't seen Dawson's Creek. Big enough like, woman to say it. Watched the whole thing. I was going to go back and check it out. I mean <laughs> It has Williams some a good writer. Yeah, it has some dated parts, um, but again, it's a, it's an older show. It is also incredibly introspective and self-analytical. Um, lots of big words are used, but it's fun. It's a fun show. You know, not entirely wrong. There are some serious bits, um, but yeah, good stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. The first thing I would want to do is, like, say, what's, to you, what makes Scream special as, like, a, as a series, mm. as a subgenre unto itself, I would almost say, like. Okay. 
there's a couple things, but the first thing that I always think of, because I also play Dead by Daylight and stuff like that, is Ghostface themselves. Um, because Ghostface is, and we should probably remind everybody, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Um, Ghostface is a mantle like it's passed down. It is, and even more so than like um, Jason Voorhees, you know, is, is his mother first and then him. This is a character under a mask that could be any character then. And it's so cool. It's so neat. And like, once you really start watching them, like you can go back and um, there are times when you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's that. I can kind of tell that that's so-and-so's voice because of the cadence, not so-and-so's voice, you know, but, oh, I love the fact that Ghostface it doesn't matter what the gender is of the person beneath the mask. They're always formidable. They're always like, they're, they're a terrifying killer. I love that. I love the fact that you don't know what the gender of those faces. And um, it's something that I, I had a realization about while we were playing Dead by Daylight the other day. And I, cause I kept referring to um, this person who we didn't know who was playing ghost faces him. And then I was like, you know what? It could be her. It could be her. Because there have been two female ghost faces at this point. And I just, I think that's so neat. I think it's so neat that you don't know until that final frame really who ghost face is. I love it. I love it. And in Scream 2, that reveal took me totally by surprise that Billy Loomis' mom was one of the killers. That was honestly one of, one of my favorite reveals of the series. It's it's one of my favorite horror movie reveals. I was just talking about that today because I was rewatching the movies um, in preparation. And I was like, this is one of the best horror movie reveals out there. Bar none. And Laurie Metcalf going in there. I mean, that's one of those things that like I love about the series too is the mystery of it. Yeah. And that any like you said, anybody could be Ghostface. And that makes yeah. everybody a suspect from frame one until like the last five or so minutes of the movie when you know someone's mask is gonna come off and they're gonna get shot in the head. Yeah. But prior to that, you don't know who the fuck is the is the killer. And it could be And anybody. I I love it. I love it so much. I love that you sit there on the edge of your seat and that you don't know. Because it's something that I've said for slasher movies before is that you need that twist. And Ghostface themselves is the twist. Because you just don't know. Like, we all know that the shape is Michael Myers. We know that Jason Voorhees is Jason Voorhees. We don't know why they don't die. But, you know, we know who they are. We know their rules. Um, And I also then, as a flip, love Sidney Prescott. She's probably one of my favorite final girls. And again, it's because she's such a deep character, you know, like she'll be crying at appropriate moments and then she pulls herself together and she comes up with a plan and she beats these killers in believable ways. 
you know, but she's just a person. She's just a person who goes through a ton of trauma and um, comes out the other side of every movie, sometimes a little bit worse for wear, sometimes a little bit better. And just really believable reactions and reasons why she's living the way that she is in each movie, but always is able to kind of be like, all right, I had my five minutes, I had my cry, I had my scream, whatever it is. And then she she protects those around her as much as she can and really pulls herself forward and learns from it. She's such a neat final girl. And then for her to be coming back now in this new movie, still is the final girl. So cool. So cool. We honestly don't know if she'll be the final girl in this new movie. That's now. true. She's in it. That's true. I just assume at this point, but she might not. I mean, that would be the that would be the big <laughs> and almost expected, but not expected, but you know, crazy twist of Scream. And another one of my like big reasons I love, especially the first one, was that you have and this actually turns out to be uh, partly of necessity, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> appearing on the cover, appearing on the poster, appearing as the big star of the movie. I think you've been doing press as the big star of the movie. Yeah. To get off in the first 15 minutes. And it turns out this all happened because of the fact that she was scheduled to be the final girl and she was going to play Sydney Prescott, but then due to contractual obligations for another movie, ended up having to drop from that part. But they just kind of kept it for the misdirect and it was amazing they pulled they they had an opportunity to pull an Alfred Hitchcock and they took it they pulled a Seiko and I fell for it I was like there's no way that Drew Barrymore is not going to be our final girl she's going to make it out of here somehow barely and the rest of these characters are going to help her along and then she she didn't make it and I was shocked the first time I watched it. Absolutely shocked. Gobsmacked. <laughs> Not only that, but also when they take her out, they take her out in such a brutal, brutal. <laughs> like, you know, p- two people get gutted in the first 15 minutes of that movie. Uh-huh. Like, big time. Like her boyfriend literally gets disemboweled and you see shit falling out. And then yeah. she gets killed. They find her hanging from the fucking tree by her. In 1996, y'all. Super gore. (laughs) We need it, though. We needed that gore. That gore of fucking... Because it sets up the brutality of these killers. And actually, I don't think they even top that gore for the rest of the series. I think that's like the goriest the series ever got. I mean, and they talked about that because, again, I just was watching two today. And, um... Uh... Stu was talking about how for the sequel, the kills have to be bigger. Everything has to be gorier. Everything has to be worse. And like, you know, it, it does get gory and it does get in your face. But those first two kills within like the first like 20 minutes of the movie, they are just rough, man. They're rough because it's just a couple of kids who are going to watch a scary movie together. And they really, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't feel like they top that. I feel like they top it in two by playing with your emotions. Yeah. Like, that first kill in two is terrifying. And it's one of the reasons why I get scared to go watch horror movies in theaters. Because of watching Scream 2, I'm always afraid that there's going to be a copycat killer in the theater. 
and then I'm going to get murdered. That's why I only go to see weird, crazy, supernatural horror movies in the theater because there's very little chance that like an Ari Aster styled cult of old naked yeah. people be in the movie theater. Little chance. We don't know that. Yeah. No chance. There's never no happen. chance. That still happened. We could yeah. all end up being, you know, embodiments of Lord Pyman. <laughs> it's true. Could happen, but less of a chance. Yeah. But yeah, especially the way the guy in the beginning of Scream 2, when he gets his fucking face stabbed because he mm-hmm. listened to what's happening in the next stall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely wouldn't. His name, his character's name was Phil. Uh, Phil gets his head poked through because he, he dares to listen to what he assumes to be maybe two people having a good time installed next to him. Yeah. But then, and then Jada Pinkett getting killed and then them in the audience not acknowledging or realizing that she was actually murdered until yeah, she falls Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, it's just, it's just part of the, it's just a bit. Yeah. That was fucking horrifying. Yeah. Because they're all sitting there stabbing and, th- and like poking the knives at her. I've got Scream 2 on right now, by the way. So good. I The vibe's alive. <laughs> yeah. It's, God, these movies are so good. They're just so good. There's not a bad one in the bunch. Like, and everyone's entitled to have the one that they don't like as much, but there really isn't a bad movie within the group. And their openings were always so good. And like, I would also argue that I love the opening of Scream 4. Like that meta experience of these people watching the movies. That, and it's that just... One, that's oh. the one where it's a one within a one within a one, right? Like, yeah. I think that's three levels of meta, right? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, okay. Like they're establishing the fact that at this point, the stab movies have become almost like, you know, a lot of the other slasher movies that run for a long time where there's multiple, multiple versions of it. And so it's like, but I think they say like the first two or the first three are based off of Sidney Prescott. And then the rest, there's this whole other universe within the Scream universe of stab movies. And one of them does time travel or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Or like there's space or something like that. Um, but so what's happening is it's a movie being watched and then a movie being watched within a movie, a movie being watched within a movie. till you finally get to the part where it's two girls who are watching a movie and then lay out what's happened for us. And it's great. That's such a great way after what, how many years? Um, 2011 about 11 years since the the last movie was made to be like hey here's what's happened here's all the exposition and it's done so quickly and then you just get straight into the rest of the film which i love so clever no it's really fun and i just i love the i do love the metatextual layering of it and stuff like that i love that Scream 2 is a commentary on Scream 1, along uh-huh. with a commentary on horror and all that stuff and violence and culture. But then Scream 3 becomes a commentary on Hollywood itself. Mm-hmm. Calling and, out almost the Me Too movement even before the Me Too movement happens. Well, there's a, a whole like 
bunch of commentary on Scream 3, especially written after 2017 when Weinstein got caught and went down and how like John Milton is like this avatar for Weinstein and is ultimately maybe not the villain of the picture, but a villain in the picture and like a, you know, sort of terrifying weird thing. And then, you know, it turns out that Sidney Prescott's mom, Maureen, yeah, like all the shit that happened to her and a lot of the way her life turned out maybe is, a direct result of the horrible shit that this Milton guy did to her mm-hmm. objected her to. And that she has a kid that she had to give up because of it's, it's, it's sexual assault really that happened to her while she was trying to make it in Hollywood. It's and, so heartbreaking. And it's just a norm that, you know, it's, it's obviously a norm there, maybe not as much as it was hopefully, yeah. But it was a norm enough that people like just accepted it as common fact, and really nobody yeah. knew what to do about it. So I, I the, but the fact that they're willing to like make a big commentary about it in the movie and make it like a mm-hmm. central part of the plot, and really and a central part of the, plot of the whole thing, a, hor- a slasher horror movie where we've talked about this before because it's something that very is upsetting for me. Um, because graphic sexual assault is one of my triggers and there's never any big warning within horror. Like your warnings will be like, oh, there's violence and sexual content. And they don't always, they don't usually tell you if it's going to be both put together and it makes it scary for me in a different way. So for them to be like, here's what happened, here's what happened, here's what happened. And to never show you, but for it to just be accepted and acknowledged and to be known as a bad thing within a genre that uses that so much. Fantastic. Fantastic. Big commentary. I love it. No, it's, it's, it's really, I think really powerful that they went and bothered to do that. And it's weird. It's weird too, that Scream 3 gets kind of, maybe doesn't have the best reputation of the Scream movies. Which, I don't know, upon going back and viewing it again, it was really fun. How really could you not love Parker Posey playing Gale Weathers? The double Gale. <laughs> the, the double Gale effect. Is, the double is, Gale, yeah. Is, is that, was, that was that right, was right around where I had to stop for us to start um, recording. But Parker Posey... She's a gem. She's a gift. I wish we would have more of her. Um, but the heavy hitters that are always in these movies. So good. And Carrie Fisher is in Scream 3. You have to love Scream 3 just for the fact that Carrie Fisher plays this kind of little tongue-in-cheek character. Who's not quite Carrie Fisher, but kind exactly. of Carrie Fisher. <laughs> yeah. Calling calling the other Carrie Fisher, you know, some some not nice things. Exactly. But you know. But again, also implying a casting couch situation. So. Which seems to be once again kind of the big norm, like that. That's yeah. just what was accepted there prior to a certain point, and maybe still is accepted there, but hopefully isn't. Hopefully not, because we're we getting. Don't really know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these movies are so good, and the fact that the rules. Let's talk about the rules. 
<laughs> let's do it. Let's let's pull Randy and talk about the rules. Oh God, because let's be honest, Randy's all of us. Um, to make a movie where rules are always laid out about how horror goes down, so cool. <laughs> and then they're not, they're actually adhered to. Yeah. And, like, to kind of call out, like, the purity culture, you know, mm-hmm. slasher vibe from, like, the 70s and the 80s, you know, like, you can never have sex, you can never drink, you can never do drugs, and don't ever say, I'll be right back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah anything you do fun is going to get you punished by, you know, some larger-than-life killer. Yeah. It's... And then that the rules slightly change to reflect the fact that it's a sequel or that it's, um, it's a part of a trilogy that um, what's a motive? Do motives even matter? You know, like, Oh, violence in cinema. Like it's so cool. The way these movies take contemporary ideas and then just kind of play with them and they turn them into these one-off lines, but you're like, Oh, Oh, yeah. You know, everything's about the trial. Scream, too. Like, what? It's true. Everything's about a trial. Trials are circuses nowadays. How much money can you make during your trial? You know? I just, I wonder if, will Randy come back in some weird way? I mean, I guess he can't. It's far too late. You can't. Jamie Kennedy is is just enough far enough over the hill. I don't think he'd be able to plausibly film a scene as. I think they also have had some problems with him. He's not always a great person, but I love his character. So. He's great. Yeah, he's great as Randy. Mm-hmm. When Randy dies, truly upset. I so I saw I that movie in theaters. <laughs> My mom took me to the theater at age eleven to see Scream Two. Ten o'clock at night. <laughs> took me to see Scream 2. We had a great time. Until Randy died. I, would put, I, like, I didn't leave the theater, but I definitely was whimpering and crying in the movie theater when Randy died. Because I was very, very upset that Randy died. <laughs> like, it's just fucking, that ripped me but to shreds. apparently he didn't even die. He, it, we don't find out until... Scream 3, and then we get to have him explain the rules to us in a video. That's true. But it, it also, really did look like he died. <laughs> no, I mean, he way died. I mean, he yeah. got, like, fucking butchered in the, you know, like... Uh, in the mystery mobile, basically. Yeah. Like, the van was shaking, people walked past it thinking that something else was going on. Yeah. And it just turned out it was Mrs. Loomis just uh, poking him full of holes. Pretty fucked up. I mean, he also yeah. probably shouldn't have been so cocky. Uh, you know, <laughs> or standing standing very close to any anything that could open up behind him and pull him in. But you know, yeah. that was that was his bad. Yeah, he should have known better as being the arbiter of horror rules. To be kind of the the harbinger almost of the series until we get to four. But I like that we always have like a, a film nerd telling us the rules. I wonder who it's going to be. In this yeah, I'm curious movie. how that's going to play out. And now, obviously, in this 
if we're going to talk about the new one, apparently the killer is targeting people related to other killers. Which is a great twist. And that means all the people in the movie are descendants in one way or another of the original killers, which is also super interesting. I mean, a minus, well, maybe not. Like Sydney herself, her brother was one of the killers. Her, you know, Mm -hmm. so, and her cousin was one of the killers. Mm -hmm. So it was another one of her cousins. And then, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. It just looks like it's going to be so good. <laughs> and we've got the ready or not people behind it too, which makes me feel a lot better about it too. Just Perfect. people who love horror yes. doing horror. It's, doing their own metatextual take on it. Like we've only had the one trailer and I'm already stoked. Like just so, so stoked for this movie. I cannot wait. No, I think it's, I think it's going to be huge. I'm really, really excited for just it. And interesting that it's coming out in January. Uh, right. You know, it's tricky. That's a tricky time of year to release movies. I think Not a lot know that movies. everybody needs it. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of hope it, I don't know, probably won't happen, but it'd be awesome if they brought it out sooner. But, you know, like just, that's not typically when you release your tentpole movies, but then again, horror movies don't tend to be tentpole movies. They don't really treat them the same way as. It's true. But also it gives it breathing room from all the other tentpole movies too because, you know, Dune came out, nothing else huge is coming out around it. And then Eternals is coming out in like November. Yep. They're not going to put anything huge around that for a while either. And a lot of DC stuff isn't coming out until next year. They're, and they're giving that a lot of breathing room between the stuff because they know enough not to be like, well, I'm going to put a movie out next mm-hmm. to a Marvel movie and have it potentially like get ignored. Yeah. Because that's the power of Disney, folks. And they're, you know what? They're putting out a Spider movie in December. Yeah. There's, there's a Ghostbusters movie, of course, that's coming out sometime in November, well, but it's coming out later. Will I see it? Yes. Am I disappointed that it is not the female cast back? Because I really enjoyed them. Yes. Is the fact that it has to do with his kids saving it for me? Yes. <laughs> but I'm still disappointed. I do love that it's Egon's grandchildren. And yeah, that it's granddaughter a, the grandchildren. is yeah. like super clearly Egon's granddaughter. Yeah. Down to the glasses and the haircut. Yes. Like, there was no chance it could have been anybody else's granddaughter. Um, yeah, that's what's saving it for me. Anyway. It is a bummer that the female-led Ghostbusters didn't get a sequel. I will say, I like Paul Feig as a director. I think it was a good movie. I think it was really funny and shit. But I also, I guess, like, it wasn't the strongest of the movies to me. But it had nothing to do with who the fucking cast was. I just don't think... Paul Feig is like the greatest writer to have write that movie. There's a yeah. bunch of other people you could have had written it. It would have been cooler if the Wrightmans came in and wrote that movie. I agree. I you know, agree. I because I that cast was is. really good and they had good effects for it. Um, I don't know why they didn't just have Wrightman come in and write that movie. I don't know. He could have done it. We mean it. And directed know. it. But well, I, I, we are still getting a diverse cast of new ghostbusters and yeah. it's not a bunch of white guys 
Yeah. And Winston. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm not shitting on it. I'm just kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. It didn't help that the entire internet decided to come crashing down on that other one too. I know. You take you take away my Ghostbusters. Well, it's like well, one of them's dead, so he can't be in it. That knocks him out. Uh, Dane Women are disease. taking all my things. Women are taking all my things, and you're making Superman gay. Not even the same Superman. <laughs> we can't get back into this. He's, he's not even. No, but he's not even. He's not he's even that Superman. He's Superman said they're not making Clark Kent suck anyone's dick folks okay i mean but he could if he wanted he could if he wanted to but no one's making him is <laughs> <Yes>. my point <laughs> so like i don't, I don't know that's uh, a whole other weird debate to get into but yeah like just yeah. nobody's nobody's wow forcing if only on we had a an episode maybe about pop culture <laughs> that that, would that, be that might be dropping <laughs> soon <laughs> uh, i think we should do more of those those are fun uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, back to Scream. Uh, it's all very interesting. Yeah. It touches on a lot of stuff. It touches on a lot of uh, cultural shit, I feel like. Uh, it. I don't know. Like, it's, it, it, like, we talked about all the big bullets that I wanted to get through, really. Just the idea of, like, it, it brought back the slasher genre for a little while for a hot minute. Actually, it made horror cool for a little while too. Cause you had all these big budget horror movies with all these big, yeah. big people. Oh my gosh. And like remaking them, you know, with like the kind of equipment and stuff like that, that we have today, which didn't bother me. Like, I know that that bothered some folks, but um, I thought that it was kind of interesting to see them reimagining like what what would it be like for Freddy Krueger and how would he get away with it now you know and how could you really erase the memory of someone like that in a digital age um and of course the actor who played Rorschach playing Freddy Krueger oh chef's kiss man <laughs> I have not seen the remake oh we should yeah you should I mean, I will say, like, yeah, that's prob. These movies are probably highly responsible for this shit happening. Like, just yeah. the fact that like these movies got so popular, and I would not argue- high budget movies. Yeah, it's the worst. And I would argue the fact that, like, you know, it kind of paved the way for things like Stephen King films being able to be Stephen King films. You know not having to be so shortened, not having to be so watered down. Like we got to have that remake of Carrie that was so much closer to the book. It was so good. Um, Not shitting on the 1970s version because we love that. Um, Or, you know, to get to have things like Dr. Sleep, which we talked about before, where it's, it's this marriage of the two. I think that, the screen movies really brought around a place in horror have that kind of stuff happening. And you can have these movies with like these really big conversations and this really gory wild stuff happening, but also have things be pretty and sad and, and a little political and it's, 
gosh, I don't know. It's just neat. I love this franchise. I love it so much. No, and it's, it's, it's so honestly, much. its success really did make it okay to have horror come back into the mainstream, which is, yeah. you know, we talked about this a bunch before. I like the 80s because they would just green light anything and there was so much <laughs> schlock that came out. But I mean, I also love a lot of that schlock. But, same, same. But, you know, it, 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 it kind of dampened the reputation of horror. Oh no, Randy's getting close to the van. Don't do it, Randy. No, Randy. fucking moron. Don't get close to the door. Stop you screaming. Idiot. Fuck you. You moron. Randy, you, you fool. Fucking, you, you Gen fool. X dipshit. Don't stand next to the door. Don't stand next to the door. No, no, no. Don't do it. Don't do it, Randy. Come on, Randall. Don't do it. Um. Oh. I'm literally skipping over the scene. I don't I don't yeah. want to see it. Oh, no, I'm not. Because you know what? It's funny. Randy getting killed sucks, but also it's funny because there's just dudes with a boombox, like <laughs> just, just walking, walking by, <laughs> um, and also, just getting like gutted to death. I also love the character of Dewey, who is probably going to die in Scream Five. Oh my god! I Let's know. face it. I mean, then again, we kept thinking he was going to die in all these movies, and then doesn't. Every single movie, I think that Dewey's going to die, and then he doesn't, and it always makes my heart constrict because I love the fact that he's kind of this sensitive, soulful man who's just in this small town. And it almost feels like he's kind of put into a box of you're a dude in this town. So you're going to be a cop. You know what I mean? But also thankfully he loves it, but he's also just kind of, I think what I'm trying to say is I like the fact that he's soft. Yeah, that he's not like uh, he's not trying to be a hard ass. Though then again, yeah. in the trailer for five, he kind of looks like he's a grizzled hard ass now. I mean, he's been through some stuff. He's been through a lot of shit. He's been stabbed like a billion times. He's got yeah. I think he's gotten shot at all, but he's been stabbed in the spine and shit. Like he's yeah. been fucked up a lot. Yeah, and I mean, and David Arquette did a couple death death matches in real life, so. Like, <laughs> So now he might actually have to walk with a limp because he might actually be fucked up. But like, Um, maybe. And like, Gail Weathers is just such an amazing character to love to hate. And it's so great. She knows she's doing that too. Yeah. It's so great to have, like, I think that that's kind of it. It's just that I really like the contradictoriness of these characters. Like, that Gail's allowed to be this really power-hungry woman that you get mad at, but then that you also root for, you know? Like, by the time we get to four, I don't want Gail to get stabbed. I don't want Gail to die. Because now she's like this Lois Lane-esque character in my brain who I just want to go and live with her kind of kind, soft husband who is treating Woodsboro like it's their children, you know? And I, I, I love them, and I don't want anything to happen to them. And I don't want anything to happen to Sydney because she's grown so much and she's such a great face for people who have been through something traumatic and come out on the other side and you're like, all right, I've made it and I'm still a little fucked up, but I, I, I'm here, you know, 
that I don't want anything to happen to those three, which makes me feel like they're going to kill them off in this next movie, just because we've all, we've been with them since 1996. (laughs) Which, and you know, that's the thing too. Like it almost feels like that's a big component of scream in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that anybody could die. Anybody else could be the killer. Yeah. And honestly, it's, that's, what's great about it. It it disarms you. You can't really know who's going to be who. Yeah. And And there's a part of it that feels like it should be a passing of the torch, but do we want it to be? (laughs) Do we want it to be? No. Is it going to be? Probably. I would say probably. I think, yeah. I think, you know, if not all of the OG cast people go, I think a big chunk of them will. Yeah. Just because it'll, it's, it just makes logical sense. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It really feels to me like Sydney and Gale. And then maybe Dewey could be around for another movie to kind of help these new kids. Cause they've got a pretty big cast of new kids coming in. You know what I mean? So they could be there for another movie or something if they wanted to. And Dewey could kind of be like that grizzled mentor. Um, because as I said, I love Gail, but she's not great mentor material. <laughs> See, I honestly think, I think it's all of them. I think all the OGs go. They might. I don't know how fast. Maybe they make it to the end of the movie. But I don't picture any of them making it all the way through. I'm pretty sure like Dewey gets it just because of the fact that they have just enough scenes of Gale screaming and freaking out, even in the trailer that it's like, you know, if he doesn't die, he's getting stabbed again. Yeah. That seems to be the time when Gale really gets upset. Legitimately is just when Dewey gets stabbed. Like, Everybody else, yeah, she's shook up, she's mad, she's pissed, she's a little upset, but she only really screams when something's happening to Dewey at this point, you know? And plus, we also, I mean, there's also these other wacky theories about that movie, too, about who's going to come back and, and, uh, and such. And there's a person in a wheelchair that we don't see their face. And oh, my God. I keep thinking that it's going to be Stu. It would be great if it was Stu. Listen, I love, I love Stu and Billy, and I shouldn't. I really shouldn't. But they're two of my favorites, and I don't know if it's also just because I really love their actors. You know, I, I mean, I, like honestly, I watch part of Riverdale just because of Skeeter. <laughs> I I've saw that he was going to be in it, and I was like. We'll do that. I've never watched anything else with Skeet Ulrich in it. I've literally Uh, only seen, like, just Scream. I Every time I see him, I assume he's a murderer, and I feel really bad. (laughs) That's partly why I don't watch anything with him, just because he's, Um, like, a creepy murderer guy. But he seems like he's a a good kind of bashful dude on his own, you know? Um, But I would love for one of them to show up and just really shake everything up. Zoids. I think it could only be. I I, I don't think it could be. I don't think it could be Billy. I'm pretty sure Billy got like. Billy got shot in the head. 
Yeah, Billy yeah. got headshot. He got double tapped pretty hard because he yeah got up screaming. Yeah, he ain't coming back. But Stu, and if he does, Stu just had potato. easy drop. That's true. Like, and he had that really bad stab wound. But either of those things could have paralyzed him, and that could be mm-hmm. why he's in a hospital in a wheelchair hanging around, and that's where he could have been the whole time, and maybe even Sydney doesn't know. And he's that's alive. true because they don't really talk about they they constantly talk about the fact like they throw it in Sydney's face that she kills Billy, like in Scream Two. You know, they're like, "Oh, you killed Billy," but they don't really talk about the fact that like she also maybe killed Stu. Stu, yeah. <gasps> Stuart, 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 come back. <laughs> so that's the thing. I think I think Stu might be alive. I don't think Stu's the killer or anything like that, no. but I think he might be alive and the new killer might go after him to kill him. Oh my god, and how wild would it be then for Sydney to have to deal with the fact that like somebody knew that he was alive and didn't tell her? And that person that knew would be like Dewey. Yeah. Or something like like Dewey would know. Or Gail or somebody, and like they just didn't tell her so she wouldn't be scared. Oh, oh, the meat and potatoes. Love it. That's a, that's it a lot of great, a lot of dramatics that could happen there. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. A lot of potential, a lot of potential. And I mean, like, once again, with the people in charge who are in charge now, who are the guys who wrote Ready or Not and directed it, too, I believe. Um, like, I think that's exciting, and there's a lot of potential, and there's a lot of interesting directions they could take it in. Yeah. And apparently, there's a rumor, and I'm citing this from a Wikipedia, so who knows how true it is. There's a rumor that Scream 3 was going to have Stu come back as the killer. Yeah. But he wasn't going to be doing the killings. He was going to be just kind of orchestrating the killings, and then it would be somebody else. But because of Columbine happening so close to it, they apparently had to go back and revisit and stuff like that. Which is interesting. If, if big, if true, basically. But who yeah. knows? God, that's wild to think of. Columbine, that's true. But then, you know, also Scream 2 with mm-hmm. rewrites and stuff, supposedly the rumor is there one of the first big internet leaks of a script was Scream 2. And they had to go back and rewrite a whole bunch, change who the killers were going to be because of the fact that the script leaked in its entirety onto the web. Oh my gosh. Wow. I forgot about that. I forget about a lot of these things. In our defense, we were quite young when these first three movies came out. Yes, and downloading a leaked script in 1997 or so would have taken a good six and a half hours to do. Right? Good God. Over like 56K? Yeah. No right. way in hell. And what would you even do? Calls for that entire time. Your parents would be so bad. They would be. <laughs> they would be. Because someone would be trying to call. Somebody. Yeah. Or they'd be trying to make an outbound call. Maybe call a pizza place. Can't do it. Nope. You can't call Marcos. I'm sorry, I'm trying oh, to uh, Marcos. I'm trying to download uh, one and a half kilobytes of, of text. Right? Just so you can know who the killer is in screen two. Exactly. We had, we grew up in desperate times, y'all. <laughs> there were weird times. But it's interesting now. Scripts leak all the time and nobody gives a shit. They don't rewrite like the script I remember I read the leaked script for Midsummer like 
nearly a year before I saw the movie. It leaked in its entirety, and it's, you know, I thought when I went to go see the movie, I'm like, I wonder how accurate that leak was. It was 100% accurate, minus like a scene that got cut, which I think might be in a director's cut somewhere, but like, it was fully out there. But Ari Aster didn't go back and rewrite the movie. He either didn't know it leaked or he just didn't care. Yeah. Because he's Ari Aster. The Chad Ari Aster. Which is super funny to say because Ari Aster is a, a tiny little twee man. But we love him dearly, folks. We, we, we love Ari Aster. We love our, our small bean Ari Aster. We do. We love him on this pod. We do. And the other small bean Robert Eggers. We love our small bean fancy directors. The, you know, Wes Our Anderson. Boys. Speaking of Wes Anderson horror, there's a new Wes Anderson movie and I'm going <laughs> to probably drive to Philadelphia to see it. Oh my God! Yes, yes. We, we don't live in a fancy areas where they, you know, have Dune on IMAX or Wes Anderson movies showing at all. So no. you know, this, this is the things we have to do. If you want to see a Wes Anderson movie, you got to drive two hours. Yeah, Minimum. I don't even know where I'd go. I also am partially surrounded by water now, so. <laughs> That makes it that makes it interesting. You have to go to a, an illegal offshore viewing of the French Dispatch. I would on a pirate ship to view a pirated copy of the French <laughs> Dispatch to see more of sweet little Lord Chalamet. This time oh. with a fake mustache, smoking fake cigarettes. I think I think I think he's going on my prediction list. Little Tim, Timmy, Timmy. He's the protection. He's the Mahdi. That's true. He's he the son of Al Gaib. He doesn't know yet. Oh, he knows. He's seen the visions. He had his Power Ranger suit on. So he could drink his own pee. Yeah. Urine and feces are processed in the thigh pads. Yep. I try That's not to think of, about it. I try not to think about it. They're all shitting their pants. That's I think about. Yeah. Let's go back to the Everybody's pooping themselves the whole time. I think about that when I poop. And I hate it. <laughs> I hate that that's been in my brain for years. That could be happening to everybody in the desert right now. Everybody's in the desert pooping mm-hmm. their poop. You need the water from your body. Anyway, so screen. Um, fun series. Fun series. Love it. Um, uh, Fun fact about the ghost face suit. Urine and feces are processed in the pads of the ghost face suit. Other fun fact about the ghost face suit is that um, Spirit of Halloween has it available as a costume this year. And I am sorely tempted to go buy it because it's one of the only plus size, you know, plus size, I say in quotes, costumes that they have. And I love ghost face so much. And I'm just like, I don't know where I'd wear it. Cause just around. I the can't. House. I can't wear it to work. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. Um, and then, well, I could. I just couldn't bring the knife. But I feel like that would be very disturbing for the people that I work with. So that's and the advantage of working remotely. I can just put on a Halloween exactly, costume. You can just do whatever you want. But then, for us, for Halloween with Rolling of Gaming, we're doing a charity event all week. 
straight into Halloween. So I'll be on, I'll be on camera on Twitch. So I feel like I need something where I'm not wearing a mask so people could actually understand me. I mean, or I could just sit there and like put my head to the side and stuff. And you just cut a hole where the mouth would be, <laughs> but then paint your face black in that spot. So it looks like you're still wearing the mask, but not really. Yeah. That could be pretty cool. And pretty I'd have fun. to get the voice modulator so that I could sound like Ghostface the whole time. That's, that's the one other thing I want to talk about is Roger Jackson... The creepy guy who voices Ghostface, uh, just uh, being one of the other consistent cast members mm-hmm. on the series. Like it's, well, it's Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, and mm-hmm. Roger Jackson. Like those are the like the main people, the mainstays. Yep. So if the scream voice ever changes, like you know that guy's screwed. I but, know. I mean, he probably also doesn't want to play that for the rest of his life, but who knows? I mean, he gets breaks. That's true. It's not like they have a lot of dialogue. No. What's your favorite scary movie? Want to play Sydney. a game? Sydney. Hello, Sydney. Oh, shit. Sydney. Sydney. I mean, eventually, they're just going to have to, they're going to play him like Alexa, where they just rec- get him to record all the words. Oh gosh! Yeah, and then he can just do it, whatever. Up oh, now, we're coming up on the part in Scream Two where Dewey gets fucking, you know. Oh my god, kebobbed! He gets kebobbed. He steps in some stinky pizza. It's worth time. Um, it's fucked up because, like, I definitely thought he died. Me too. And then all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, it went through some of his scar tissue, so that really helped him out. And I'm like, which scar tissue does he have in his back? Because he definitely got stabbed in multiple parts of his back. And then he coughed blood splatter. He's doing it right now. Yeah. He's going down, folks. Amazing practical effects. Like, the work they do with blood splatter is is fantastic. (laughs) So good. But also, like, they build characters that you can care about. Mm -hmm. So, like, when Dewey gets stabbed and you think he might die, it's really upsetting. When Randy dies, it's really upsetting. Yeah. Like, that is a testament to how well-written the characters are, that you would care about them. Yeah. Even even Derek, what, he's there for, like, part of a movie? And I felt felt really bad. Like, so he just was in love with Sydney, and he really wanted to protect her. And In the original a, writing, he was going to be one of the killers. Oh, I'm so glad he wasn't. I know. I'm happy they, they took that out. Because that was a good misdirect, too. Like It was. For him guess, to be the boyfriend and to not be one of the killers. That and he's such a sweet man in real life. <laughs> we Nothing but respect for one of the co-captains of the USS Cerritos. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Jerry O'Connell. We love him. And his wife, Rebecca Romaine, is now number one. So So they got a Trek family. Good for them. Yep. But yeah, it would have been interesting and weird if they tried to just do the boyfriend trope again. Yeah. But mm, also it would have been a bit much because it's like, okay, well, now if she ever dates anyone, 
you just assume that that's the killer. Exactly. Which is why I'm glad that they were, but they, they, they came up with this great idea of Billy Loomis's mom who has a reason. She has a motive. She's it's, a her good fault. motive. it's her fault. But why is she going to take responsibility for that when she's not that kind of person? You know what I mean? So instead she twists it into all being Sydney's fault and being Maureen's fault. I love it. I love that. And then the misdirect that also comes from Mickey being kind of an extension to Randy for us. So we trust him and we're like, it's not Mickey. He's, he's Derek's best friend. And he's, he's, he's like Randy. He's harmless. He's standing here talking to us about movie trivia. We, we know that he's safe. And then he's not safe. He's not safe. It's so good. And then we sit there and we're like, oh my God, maybe it is Derek. Maybe I've been wrong this entire time. Maybe Derek killed Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but Derek didn't kill Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my God. Amazing. Let's see. Which killers haven't we talked about? I guess Roman's the only one we haven't really talked about yet. I mean, mm, yeah. Uh, you know, Sydney's brother. Uh, you know, the result of horrible sexual exploitation in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, he's got he's got reasons to be messed up. He's got motive. For sure. And not only that, he's abandoned. Too, exactly. Like, as a child, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And when he, he goes to see them, right? And she's like, go away. Yeah. She basically says, rem- fuck off. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not misremembering. Fun. Yeah. And then... Uh, because of that, it motivates him to then motivate Billy mm-hmm. to, you know, do what he's going to do, which makes it really interesting and an interesting bow tie for the trilogy. To exactly. Sort of have a giant callback to be like, no, actually, this big bad was this guy the whole, the whole time. time. Yep. I love it. I love it. It would have been wilder even if somehow he, like, tied to Mrs. Loomis, too. Mm-hmm. Like if he orchestrated that, so he was like the big, big, big bad. But I just don't. Well, she found she found what Mickey like in a chat room or something. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe he was manipulating oh some of that. In my Roman's, brain, I always thought he did. Roman's the webmaster of the chat room. He is. Also, he good. Just, just mercs a couple of cops here with like yeah, no effort at all. Just for fun. Just um, well, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then a cop pulls a gun on him, so he gets hit by a car. Of course. And um, It's fun. Also, so Jill, such an interesting killer. And to be, um, to be like, listen, this is how I want to get my, my 10 minutes of fame. Like, how do you think people get famous anymore? Um, and so sad to be using... Oh my gosh, why can't I think of his name? The friend. Uh, one of the Culkins, yeah. I believe. Holy shit. Great oh practical God. effect here. Uh, when the cop dies uh, by having his head slammed through a pipe, basically, and he's laying there. There we go. Rory Culkin. Um, Charlie. Charlie. Who was the Randy figure? Yeah. And movie. they say that. They say that finally Randy's going to get the girl. And then she just. Says, I don't think so. Yeah. 
And Emma Roberts is such a good actress. You know, she's a scream queen herself from she's made it through American Horror Story. She did two seasons of Scream Queens. She did Scream 4. She's she's a really good actress and a, a force within the horror community, to be honest. Especially now, like I think at, I can't associate her with anything, well, not anything but horror, but like I feel like she's really coming into her own with horror and embracing yeah. it too, which I love too, the fact that she's like not trying to escape from it or, or, you know, try to be above it or anything like that. Instead, embracing the fact that it's a great genre and you should be like totally stoked to be involved with it. I mean, and I think there's a lot of growth that can happen in horror, especially now, you know, you're starting to get characters. Oh, cause here we go. We didn't get to talk about um, the TV series yet, but like you can get characters that are more androgynous looking and things like that who are making it through and, um, one of the characters in television series, you know, part of what happens to them is that they get outed and their girlfriend gets murdered and it turns into part of the motive as to why they're figuring out, trying to figure out who the killer is to have that again, be a pivotal part of the show and of the first season was so brave and so cool. Um, and they didn't have to do that. They could have just kind of made a joke about it, but they don't, you know, they don't make a joke about that character. They flesh her out. And I was so grateful to that. But again, I don't know why I thought they would make a joke about it because it's Scream. And we've talked about the fact that they have taken modern things and put them into the show and the movie in a brave and honest way. Um, but you know, that, that actress, she's gotten to do some, a bit of growing in horror as well. Um, which is neat. I just, I think it's a fun genre and I think that you can do a lot with it. You could springboard from it or you could kind of stay in the waters and you know, it's a little bloody, but it's, it, it seems like it's fun. <laughs> No, I'm happy that we're still in the middle of like, a, I don't know if you want to call it a resurgence because I don't think it's a resurgence anymore. I think now it's just kind of like, it's just here. Yeah. Which kind of rock. I think we're just getting a little bit of respect for it. You know, I think people are starting to understand the art behind it a little bit more and that horror movies are not just one thing that they're, there are a whole lot of things so it kind of feels like horror is getting a little bit more respect, almost more like what it had with a psychological thriller like Alfred Hitchcock, you know. Um, and I'm glad. I'm glad to be sitting in on it. And I hope we just get more and more like just big legit horror i i hope yeah. we get more sort of uh diverse horror and not just in the sense of diverse casting and stuff but diverse in the sense of like just people trying a bunch of different shit yeah and not leaning into like it's just slasher it's just supernatural yeah. shit, it's whatever like it's all over the fucking place which i yeah. love 
And the neat thing is, like, there are so many stories to tell within horror. And, like, what what's scary and what's universally scary. And that comes back around to, like, you know, what we were talking about with the Midnight Mass episode is, is what Flanagan does. Mm-hmm. Like, and I saw a really interesting tweet about it, too, where he's they were talking about the fact that, like, the haunted ones... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, the houses are haunted, but the people are also haunted. Yeah. Like, yes, there's ghosts, but like, you know, whatever. And then the Midnight Mass comes in and says, uh, yes, there's an actual monster, but also the people are kind of monstrous and shitty. Yeah. And like the real monster is the people all along. The real ghosts are, are your shitty memories or whatever. Yeah. All or the people along. that you miss. And yeah. Which and is I love that. Fun approach. Horror is art. The same as anything else. Movies, books, television, music. From the time that we were painting on walls and caves, this is how we explain and show what our society values, what our society is afraid of, the good and the bad parts of it. I think it's just that horror tends to shine a light on some of the darker, darker places. Um, But it also has a lot of heart and it has a lot of soul and it has sad moments and it has so many funny moments and it's such a balanced genre and sometimes it's just bad to be bad and sometimes it's just you know sticky to be sticky and that's okay it's all good there's value to be found in literally any any kind of output you can do with horror and uh you know, that's why at those meddling kids, we don't endorse the idea of, uh, you know, elevated horror or whatever the fuck you want yeah. to call it. I'm bringing that turn up again for the billionth time on this podcast because <laughs> I hate it so much. I really Just do. Take a shot every sick. time you hear elevated horror. Yeah. Yes, I know. Take a shot, jump off a bridge, do whatever you want to do to alleviate yourself of the anger that you should be feeling anytime you hear someone talk about it. Like it's not one yeah. of the diverse genres in the first place and horror always has been because it's been born out of other things and really horror has been around for so long horror has been around since people in the dark ages were sitting there whispering because they couldn't go to church about the darkest night of the year and being like how are we going to make it out of this you know it's always been there it's just now we're seeing it in a different way and there's a, there's a seat for everybody at our midsummer looking tables. <laughs> Don't show up at that table. Probably not. Yeah. Lots of bad things will happen to you in many ways, shapes, or forms. Don't mm-hmm. eat the pie. Don't eat the pie. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Don't eat the pie. But yeah, Scream, I love it. So, Pat, what would you rate the Scream movies? Hmm. <laughs> If we're doing a five, we're doing a five star scale. I'm gonna go yeah. four point seven five stars out of five. Yeah, pretty damn close to perfect. Yeah, Couple I would steps say. Here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's all I had to say. I was gonna say probably like four point eight. There's always room for improvement. Um, but they're so good, and the music, music's always good. The soundtracks are always pretty top notch. Scream treat. Scream 3 soundtrack is a pretty tight metal album. Yep. Like, uh, 
especially considering it was mixed by fucking uh, Scott Stapp. Yes. Creed, of all people. But it's actually a pretty, pretty tight album. And there is a, a fun fact. There's a Creed poster in Sydney's room in Scream 3. I can't remember yeah. if it's in Scream Run. One, I need to rewatch that a little carefully now to see. I don't um, think they weren't around as a band at that point. I don't, I don't think. think they were. I don't think they were. This um, is when they were real hot. Yeah. For that one album. And then were- don't forget the Fonz is the principal on Scream 1. Also in Scream 1, you've got a guy wearing the Freddy Krueger outfit whom the Fonz <laughs> calls a devil shit. Yep. <laughs> and then he gets owned. Yeah. Now, now I'm watching that scene in Scream 2 where uh, Mickey really fucks with Sydney's head by mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, basically telling her that Derek's a killer and that Derek's his partner. Mm-hmm. And then I was so turned around by that point in the movie, I didn't even know what to think. And do you know how hard it is to get me confused? Because I watched Scream later on. I didn't get to watch Scream 1 until we were in high school. So, like, 2000. I watched the first two movies, and I was so confused at that point. And then I was mad that I was confused. And then I was in, I was, I was back in the game when Billy Lewis's mom came out. I was like, yeah, no, you got well done. Well done, old man. I also think it'd be crazy cool and very stupid. But what if retroactively somehow Scream 5 reveals that Derek actually was one of the killers? <laughs> they find some like weird security footage that shows him like taking off the ghost face mask. Oh my god, There's no, then like, she'd have to get rid of the necklace. But she didn't have the necklace on in Scream 4. Did she have it on in Scream 3? Yeah, she wears oh. it the whole time. Because I remember when I watched Scream 4, I was like, no, where's Derek's necklace? Because I am like a sentimental bitch. (laughs) Maybe by that point, she's just like, yeah, no more. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But who knows? I mean, let's just be stoked because Scream 5 is coming. Um, Or they're just calling it Scream. I know they are just calling it Scream. They're not putting the numbers on there because they're afraid to admit that the this series is getting into its fifth installment. I don't blame them. Halloween is at what? I don't know. How many installments is Halloween on? God, I don't know. We're, I think we're just calling it two at, or three at this point because now they've... They, they have retconned. They retconned it. So we went from, three, or from Halloween one and then we jumped all those years. We had two. I know we've had the third one for Halloween Kills. So I don't think we're supposed to count all the ones in the middle, but there's no, a lot. They want to take those out because, I mean, Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers actually explains why Michael Myers is the way he is, which is that he has like a druid curse called the Curse of the Thorn on him. My God, that's that right. Witches. Forces we're him to, to kill. talk about the witches. Yeah, you can't talk about them because, uh, I mean, it explains the way. It's why he's immortal, and that's why he only targets people that he's related to, because, like, the Curse of the Thorn 
a component of that is that he has to kill someone he's related to. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There were ten. Oh, wait, no, that's where, wait, those were two were the Rob Zombie ones. We don't count those. One, two, three. So there were there were eight originally, and then there's the three new ones, and then oh, what Halloween ends? What 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 what? what? That's the third one in this in this trilogy. <gasps> it's coming! Oh my god! So soon? Twenty twenty two. There is a time jump in it. Four year time jump apparently. Holy shit! Also, I've never seen Halloween three. I think I need to find it. Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch. Witch. That one's never shown on TV, so I've never seen it. <laughs> it's supposedly, well, there's no Michael Myers in it. It's the one entry where they were going to try and start making them into anthology movies. And that didn't play out very well because people weren't into anthologies back then. Oh, a Celtic ritual. They're into the Celtic rituals with Halloween. It's all about, you know, it's. It's not good that they try to explain Michael Myers away because of the fact that, no. uh, you know, for one, fucking uh, Carpenter himself is way into the sort of esoteric and occult and like the H.P. Mm-hmm. Lovecraft of it all. Yeah. And a big component of that is like nothing ever really gets explained. Everything is just yeah. super far beyond the pale. And that was something that I disliked about the Rob Zombie films. Was that they tried to give him, you know, an explainable backstory. Where he was just a dude who had trauma that nobody cared about. That he's just know. like a shape. I mean. Yeah. But, that was the cool part of the other ones. They just call yeah. him the shape. Exactly. And that is what he is known as in Dead by Daylight to go back to <laughs> the one horror game I play. Um, yeah, no, but Scream, great stuff. Great franchise, great series. Um, I didn't like the third season of the TV show as much. I actually haven't finished it, but the first two seasons, they're really good. I'll have to go back. I highly recommend. Check the show out if I can find out what network it's streaming on. Yeah. Originally it was MTV. Uh, um, so that's owned by Paramount. So actually, it's probably on Paramount Plus. Probably, probably. Um, but they were fun, and yeah, it's one of my favorites. If you haven't seen it yet, um, this is definitely me telling you to go enjoy. I'm not going to speak for Pat, but you know he enjoys it as well. I will say, go back and watch Scream Two, and just enjoy Laurie Metcalf being nuts but in a great way yeah just rolling out exactly. in a cream white pantsuit and being like hi i'm a murderer yeah but not being like hi i'm a murderer being like a gail weathers fangirl amazing amazing but then when she fucking has the gun to sydney's throat mm-hmm. yeah and is right so up in her face it's so, so good, good. She, mm-hmm. she nails the crazy eyes yeah her pupils go all black. They like, really I think she do. She just has dark brown eyes, but like the way the lighting hits them, it looks like she just has pure black pupils yeah. and is kind of horrifying, it, which is good because it's meant to be. 
Yeah. But like, she just looks fucking terrifying and it's great. But I also this is another love case the fact that she was able to creep around that fucking campus for that week pretending to be a news reporter because she knows that Sydney avoids the media, the media like a plague, but it would still get her close to Gail and Sydney doesn't see her. Sydney never notices this woman, despite the fact that she's in the periphery the entire time. Amazing. <laughs> Cause she knows her right away when she walks in behind Gail. <laughs> like immediately. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Loomis. But also now we got Sydney, uh, you know, doing what Sydney does best, which is turning the tables on the killer. Using God, the set of her weird play. Yeah. She's to a freak foxy out the killer. one. She's a foxy She's trying one. to drop fucking sandbags on her like it's a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which actually I... would have been a fascinating way for Mrs. Loomis to die. Agreed. Agreed. She just got killed by like some stray lights that just hit her. Sydney is so smart. She's so smart. She really is just one of my favorite final girls because she's so messed up and messy and beautiful and, but not afraid to, to do it. Like she does what needs to be done and she double taps the killers. You know? um, even, even with Roman where yeah. she stabs him in the chest Feels a sense of empathy towards him because she's still fucking human. Yeah. Which is great too. Yeah. But yeah, like, you know. She never loses it. She never loses that humanity. She gets a little bit harder. But like, even like with Jill and stuff, you know? Mm. So good. Yeah, definitely go watch Scream. Um, is there anything you want to plug this week or like a, a movie or a TV show or something to help our viewers get into the mood? The oh, season? I think I've been plugging the shit out of Dune. So I That's mean, just keep, watch Dune. Read Dune. Dune. Spend the 40 bucks and buy the first four books of Dune. Do not read past them. No, uh, children of Dune, though. Weird. Love that. Yeah, read Dune, um, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, and God Emperor, and stop after that. Let's see, what was I going to... I had something. I had a spooky movie that was not Scream, and it was not Dune. Wow, it just left my head. Wow, wow. Uh, absolutely gone. I don't know what it was, folks. Yeah, Dune's a good recommendation. Um, I guess I guess my recommendation will be to watch the first two seasons of the Scream series. Watch them up. Watch them up. Um, they're pretty good for you know. I'd say probably like fifteen plus. Uh, I was trying to think of um, oh that's it my family friendly wreck is Disney's Haunted Mansion there you go it's I have no one. family friendly wreck I was, oh, I was shown non family friendly things as a child so I don't watch Halloween <laughs> Town 
I don't know. There you go. Yeah. I think I've recommended that every time, and I'll I'll do it again. Do Goofy it again. meme. I'll do it again. <laughs> Yeah, um, there's uh, a there's a new Muppets, um, uh, yes, haunted, Muppets mansion, haunted Mansion, and I yeah, haven't what? gotten to watch it yet, but it looks uh, really good. Job from Arrested Development is in it. I saw him. Yeah. So um, there you go. Yeah. Watch that. Watch Ernest. Ernest scared stupid. Yep. Watch that. Um, watch it's Christmas too. <laughs> yeah. Happy season. Happy holidays. All right. We love you. Have a great, have a great evening. We'll talk to you soon and stay cozy. Cause it's going to get creepy. Bye. Bye.